0: Candies What you just said Is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard At no point in your rambling incoherent response Were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought?
1: Candies.
0: Candies. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.
1: Candy's grades. God damn it, I hate
2: Jack Patty. Golden Knights now have a 3-2 lead over the Colorado Avalanche. They'll have a chance to close it out at home tomorrow night, which means we get to grade after game five. So first topic for grades, substitute teacher Adam Candy, Marc-Andre Fleury.
0: Oh. God, this is the hardest one of all. Marc-Andre Fleury gets a B++. B++. Anytime you see a goalie throw his head back and try to flip his stick <laughs> up in the air, he's not getting an A. That was Marc-Andre Fleury after allowing the Brandon Sod goal with a second left in the first period. Because at that point of the game, the way that game was going... You kind of had to feel like the Golden Knights were making progress. The second half of the period, they had survived Colorado coming out of the locker room hot, and they were about to take it into the second period on the right track. And then Marc-Andre Fleury gave them a moment that could have derailed the entire season. He spent the next two-plus periods keeping them in the season. So B++. plus. So
2: B++. So B Colorado's, plus.
0: Expected, plus.
2: Colorado's expected goals in that game was 2.57. Had Flurry not allowed the goal with less than two seconds left, he would have saved more than a goal and a half above average, which in a single game is, is terrific. It's unbelievable to do that, but he didn't, he didn't save the goal with two seconds left. So he was still good, uh, over the whole course of the game, but it's, it's, I, I, it's only a C like I'm only giving him a C. Like, it's just such a bad goal that it almost negates everything else good that he did because it's like, like like you said, not that we've gone back and watched every goal he's given up. It might be the worst goal he's ever given up in his career.
0: If Robin Leonard had let in that goal, people would be (laughs) hanging stuffed pandas from the top of T-Mobile Arena right now and calling for his head.
2: (laughs) He was... Very good the rest of the game. If that doesn't go in, it's the easiest A-plus you can give, but it's such a bad goal. It's just to see. It balances out. He was good everywhere else, but that was so bad that it's just a middle-of-the-road C. Next topic, Jonathan Marcheseau's goal.
0: Just the goal is an A. A. We kind of have to look at Jonathan Marcheseau as the most important non-goalie on this team right now, which I say super cautiously for a guy who takes the dumbest penalties you've ever seen. (laughs) Like Jonathan Marcheseau gets so mad at being short sometimes that he takes really, really stupid penalties. And then he goes and saves the team repeatedly in moments like he has. So Jonathan Marcheseau is probably... He's never going to get the real consideration for Conn Smythe, but he's one of the MVPs of this team thus far in the playoffs.
2: I mean, if he keeps scoring the way he's scoring, and they win the Stanley Cup,
0: he might just get
2: it. Um, I'm actually going to specifically grade William Carlson on this, and William Carlson gets an A plus. A plus because this was this goal. It's a three on two for the golden Knights and William Carlson manages to take both of the two for the avalanche out of the play. He skates across the face of one of them and makes him follow him and then gets the other one to drop down, to block a shot slash uh, slash try to stop a pass. And when all this happens, Carlson then makes a wraparound pass to Jonathan Marshall. Who's now all alone by the post and is able to flip this one into the net for a goal. Terrific job by William Carlson in this three on two and I guess I should also give Jonathan so an A, A, because he actually scored in what was not really the most difficult shot of his career. But we saw Miko Rantanen miss from that same exact spot in the first period. Actually, an even more open net in the first period. So maybe we shouldn't take for granted the guy finishing into an open net because Miko Rantanen failed to do it earlier in the game. Fail. Well, no, you,
0: you you also shouldn't take it for granted because Alex Tuck is on this team. That's true. And That's and true. while he did score last night, his his Feel flaw is open nets.
2: <laughs> Alex Tuck is more likely to score when the puck is in midair and the goalie is in proper position than when the puck is on his stick on the ice and the goalie is behind the net or something like that. Facts only. Next topic to grade, Alex Petrangelo.
1: Uh, incomplete. Incomplete. I... Until this
0: team gets into a situation where Alex Petrangelo is truly the savior of something that they do and proves it maybe more than once, I'm I'm still not willing to let go most of what I saw this season.
2: For this game only, I'm giving him a B. B. He had, for two periods, he looked like the only player on the team that might actually score a goal. At one point, he had six of the team's 12 Shots on goal. He still ended up leading them in shots on goal and total shots, and was tied for the team lead in individual scoring chances. He had a pretty rough day by like expected goals rate and Corsi. He, it was it was him and the Mark Stone line that got matched up against the Landeskog new second line for Colorado that got dominated the majority of the game. So he didn't really have great analytics in this one. And he didn't score offensively, which has still sort of been the big critique of Petrangelo since he came over. As it's like he's supposed to be a a guy that scores from the blue line, and you haven't seen that. But for two periods, he was the only one that looked like he might. So I'm giving him a B. B. Kind of grading on a curve of how the rest of the team played through two periods, but still solid enough to get a passing grade and a decent grade overall for last night. All right, this one I got to explain this one a little bit. So game is in Colorado. Golden Knights fans that traveled obviously during the national anthem yell night as loud as they possibly can. We saw this in games one and two, but also last night in game five during the anthem when the Golden Knights fans yell night, parts of the Colorado Avalanche crowd just yell out loud the rest of that verse. So what is your grade for Avalanche fans drowning out Golden Knights fans yelling out night during the anthem?
0: Keep your finger on the plus button, Jared. A plus 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 plus.
1: A plus plus. plus, plus, plus
0: okay. What plus. extra, but I appreciate it. No, I do appreciate it. Um this is a fantastic troll job, and I can't even get too fired up about them using the national anthem to do it because we shouldn't be playing the national anthem at the games anyway. Uh, But if we're going to, and the Golden Knights fans try to have their own thing, and the Avalanche fans decide to up the ante, then I think it's kind of on the Golden Knights fans at this point. If teams are going to start co-opting their night, they got to come up with something else for game six. They got to come up with something brand new.
2: Do they, though? I don't think they'll be able to do that. It took a while for the night to catch on. I don't think they'll be able to come up that quickly with something. Do we know, has this been done before? Because the Golden Knights are not the first team fans to yell something during the National Anthem. Plenty of teams do that. But I have never seen an opposing fan base drown out away fans by just singing the rest of the verse. Like, has that ever happened before? Do you know?
0: Um, is that why you had me on today?
2: Yes, to to break down National Anthem traditions by crowds.
0: Okay. Uh, not that I'm familiar okay.
2: with. So I'm also giving it an a plus a plus if somebody else had done it, I would have docked the grade a little bit. But until I find out, this is the best way to come back at a fan base that yells something during the national anthem. This is the like it's it's unbelievably perfect because it makes it useless for them to yell night during the anthem because you're just going to sing the rest of it and nobody's going to know what's going on. It's a perfect way to combat it. And if they're the first ones to do it, phenomenal job by the Colorado Avalanche. Next topic. Nick Suzuki's cat.
0: Now, I'm scrolling through Milo's Instagram right now. Um, This is an attractive cat. Um, This cat gets a C.
1: C. (laughs) A.
0: No, no, no. No, no A. This cat gets a C because I... um, it is important to know I am deathly allergic to cats. Um <laughs> and so I can't say I have a lot of inherent love for them. But I'm looking at this cat and tell me if I'm wrong is he drinking out of a straw?
2: Yes, it looks in like one of these is, pictures? I, 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 yeah, there yeah. is a video or a picture of Nick Suzuki holding some sort of cup with a straw and the cat has its mouth on the
0: straw. I mean That's next level stuff right there. I can't get my dog to drink from a straw (laughs) like that's really impressive. And this is this is by all measure that uh, that I would think would be used. It's a handsome cat. Um, He is listed as a snow Lynx Bengal boy uh, born on February 11th of 2020.
2: Very important to have his birthday. He, He has
0: 1,487 followers. Like now, let cat. me click over um, on, on to see. Oh, I can't see who is following. I'm not logged into Instagram. Um, ha, b- biggest question. Have you been blocked by Snow Bengal Milo?
2: No, I have not. I have not been blocked by Nick Suzuki's cat. And I probably won't because I'm going to give the cat an A. A. A, because he's a cute cat. And B, because I just found out he could kill you. B. So it's a good cat.
0: That only gets an A. I figured there would be multiple pluses attached to that.
2: Well, not not that vengeful of your death yet. Yeah, give it a Well, no, out. you haven't
0: seen what the other options are in the morning if Ed's not here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last
2: topic for Candy's grades. Vadim Shippishov won the Golden State, which a. is the MVP A. Of a. The
0: I don't even care what else you say. As soon as you say Shippy's name, it's an A. a. <laughs> <laughs> Vadim Shipushov is an a, a at all times, in all places. No matter what hockey team he plays for, no matter what country he resides in, no matter what George McPhee is saying about him at any given time, Vadim Shipushov is an A hockey player. A. Should I give an F to
2: Gerard Gallant or George McPhee for Vadim Shipushov not being a Golden Knight?
0: George McPhee. Okay. Gerard Gallant didn't do anything. Hey, it's he not want his fault. He didn't want to play him. Well, George McPhee didn't exactly force him to. Yeah,
2: I know. I just, like, it's very... Vadim Shipashov. it's very clear that the guy is good at hockey. Like, he's been awesome in the KHL. He tried to come over here and play in the NHL and ran into... Like, what, the worst possible situation from an organization standpoint he possibly could have? We're like, ah, oh, we're trying to keep Jason Garrison from getting claimed on waivers, so we're going to have to thinge you to the AHL to start the season because you're still waiver-exempt, and Jason Garrison isn't, and someone might claim him, and that fifth-round pick we might have gotten for him will be gone forever. Like, it was brutal for Vadim Shipashov. I hope somehow he finds his way back to the NHL. We'll
0: also add in one more thing at the time that AHL team played in Chicago. And so he didn't even like, maybe he could have dealt with the AHL team being up the street from me here in Henderson, but he's, he's shipped off. To, he's not even close <laughs> Shippy got shipped off. Like I, I, I love everything about Benim Shipishov having success because we've actually now advanced to the point as people following this franchise, that there is history that you have to explain to people. Right? You just had to explain <laughs> who Vadim Shibashov was and why they went through such a mess with him because we have actually have enough history now with the Vegas Golden Knights. It's like, oh, yeah, remember that guy? And
2: I got to mention Jason Garrison, of all people, as an important Mr. part Garrison, of
0: his history. Oh. Mr. Garrison and Mr. Hat.
2: All right, coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show.
1: Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Granny's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right.
2: I have a very important question. Um, Darren Millard is somebody that joins our show on a regular basis. Did he give you guys tickets?
3: Uh-oh. Uh, what's that's the right a, that's answer? That's attorney-client privilege. <laughs> <laughs> Some tickets might have floated into an app wow. or two. and I know. Wow. From Dar-
2: I'm going to yell at Darren about that tomorrow. Yeah, thank him for us, please. Okay, I guess I can do that. I'm still going to I yell at him normally on Thursdays, but I can thank him, too. Um, are you guys going to game six?
3: I'm working on it.
2: Yeah, let Darren know. <laughs> okay, uh, It's up to Darren. Ask Darren if we're going. Wink. Okay. Um, all right, so a few stories to get into today. One, uh, about Major League Baseball and the All-Star game. They moved it out of Atlanta after the voting bill that was passed in Atlanta earlier this year there is now a group of businesses that have come together in Atlanta that are suing major league baseball. They're seeking a hundred million dollars in damages. They're seeking a punitive award up to a billion dollars. They've claimed that major league baseball has violated the 14th amendment. Um, Can you guys walk me through like, what are the chances they could actually win any of this? And how is the 14th amendment relevant?
4: (laughs) I I think they're, Putting some of these things in the in the suit to get it to federal court and to get um, you know to to leverage this some publicity for this, I, I think the the crux of this case has to do with the fact that there was reliance on the all star game being there, and this group. Uh, that is filing the suit is a is a as represents small business and 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 uh, did a lot of advertising uh, that they spent money on and had expectation that they would make money off of and then when this was pulled you know the the game was pulled they're saying it wasn't it wasn't right and that they've lost money which is probably true so in any kind of lawsuit, you always have to look for. You know a theory of liability, and also if there are damages. And to me, that this there's certainly a lot of damages, and so now you have to look at the theory of liability. Um, the MLB can pull a game. I mean, it's an organization that can decide to uh, to to make to make changes. I think. I, I again, it depends on the the terms of the agreement that they have with the city of Atlanta. Um, and and there can be people that are not the city that are not parties to the lawsuit, but are intended beneficiaries of the of the contract to be in the city and so they can they can claim that there was there was uh, you know due process issues and and um, and they're they're citing some Ku Klux Klan era law some crazy things I, I I will tell you this I I think that they that they're they're angling here to um, to get some some hopefully some leverage and get some money I I, I don't know if this lawsuit's going to go anyplace. I can I certainly sympathize for the businesses that got got hosed by this. Um, and I think that um, you know, I, I think that the MLB was moved maybe a little too quickly on on pulling the game out of Atlanta.
5: Shouldn't they be suing their own legislature though? So if if MLB pulled the game because of a law they passed, shouldn't they be suing the people that passed the law? <laughs>
4: No, but I mean I mean I think that's a that's an you know, now you're getting into an interesting point because the there are a number of states where the MLB happily does business that have a, a similar, if not more restrictive laws than this was. So I think that the nature what they're saying in the suit, Jared, is they're saying, This is nonsense. You literally made this decision based on knee-jerk nonsense. Now, as an attorney, I'm looking at this, I'm going, Well, the MLB can make a decision for whatever nonsense they want. I don't I'm not here I'm not in the business judging their nonsense decisions, but does it does it violate a contract? Does it? Are is there detrimental reliance? Did these small businesses rely? Did they have an expectation that they would that they spend money in order to make money, right? These are things that business owners do, kind of like we do on your program. So it it happens and we do this and and so and all of a sudden, the, the rug got pulled from out underneath them. And so they're suing.
2: One interesting detail from their lawsuit is that they are part of the damages they're seeking is to pay them back, this group of businesses, for signs in New York Times Square and advertising in the New York Times that this group took out to criticize Major League Baseball. How, in any way, is that a valid thing to sue someone for? Hey, because of your decision, we had to criticize you. You have to pay us back for that.
4: This part of it is, is baffling and silly.
3: I, I have to say, when I read some of these public complaints that you that get a lot of publicity for whatever reason, don't you kind of just always picture Dr. Evil with his pinky up like, I want $100 million and everything else under the sun. And that's kind of what's going on here.
2: So do they win anything at the end of the day? Like if they get this to federal court, like
4: is there any way they can actually win some money off of this? I don't think it's a 14th amendment when I do it would be very interesting to know what kind of contract the MLB had with the city right for this game. Um, everything is in. it's all the devils in the details right it's always in the words that are in the agreement. Uh, and, and I would look for I would look in that contract if I was re- representing either side I would look to see if there's anything in it that that obviously that what's what outs does the MLB have? And if this was not an appropriate out, then people who are not parties to the agreement, i.e., you know, some mom and pop business that that spent money, you know, that had an expectation of a reward and, and you know, geared up, let's say, let's say they ordered more goods, they ordered more hats, they ordered things that cost money, and they had an expectation to recover that money and possibly even make a profit. Even though they're not parties to the original agreement, if the agreement was violated, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the, the, uh, the city of Atlanta who made the agreement with the MLB or Pruitt Field or whoever that signed the agreement for the All-Star Game that, that can sue. Other parties who, had, who, who relied and, and, and suffered as a consequence were intended uh, beneficiaries of the agreement um, uh, definitely can recover.
2: I'm curious about this other story. So Juwan James uh, used to play for the Denver Broncos. He got injured. The Broncos ultimately released him. And football contracts are very specific about what's guaranteed money and what actual events can lead to guaranteed or non-guaranteed money not getting paid out. Because he got hurt, the Broncos released him. He didn't end up getting $15 million because the Broncos said it was a non-football injury because it did not happen at a practice at the team facility or during a game or anything like that. But Juwan James is now suing, trying to get $15 million back that would have been guaranteed if he had got hurt at the facility because he's claiming that even though he wasn't at the team facility, he was told by coaches to go work out with teammates away from the facility So how, like, how does that work when it's not at the facility? And that's probably what the exact language is in the contract, that it's not at the facility, but the idea that a coach is telling you or implying that you should be working out with your teammates somewhere else. Like, does he have a legitimate argument to get this $15 million?
3: Yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, you, you see this a lot with uh, employers and employees. There's a contract of sorts that, that lays out the terms of that employment. Like you will go here and in exchange we will pay you X amount of dollars, anything beyond, anything you do outside of that specified locations, not covered, not compensated, et cetera, et cetera. Because everyone has to limit their liability and limit their compensation package. And and that's what these collective bargaining agreements between the Players Association and the NFL always try to accomplish. And so um, if this player, Juwan, has le- Jawan James has legitimate proof, emails, text messages, phone calls that corroborate his statements that he said, I like they're telling him to work out and to stay in shape and he's saying I can't go to the facility because it's not compliant with COVID restrictions I'm going to work out here and they say okay great you need to work out anywhere like you can then I, I support him I think he's got a case he's, now his employers is rewriting the contract and the agreement it's a, that, And that's going to be a problem that the Broncos face. And, and it's going to be a notice to every other team and coach and trainer. Like, hey, don't tell your players anything like that. Because it now exposes us all to this significant liability above and beyond what any of us ever calculated and the risk we ever assumed.
4: Tyler, you know what they say about contracts? They're, yeah. They say contracts are written to be broken. <laughs> and... <laughs> and i think was so what's funny is and this kind of these two stories go go hand in hand right cuz it always comes back to the contract and it doesn't matter really who's in the right you know they they're coming in, into this and they're saying we're not going to you violated the contract go pound sand we're not paying you 15 million and and what it really is is it's it's a posture it's 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 a now that's their position and and it's forcing the player to come in And fight for just getting if if he's absolutely entitled to it, as Ashley said, then, you know, he has to now fight back and claw his way back to getting what's duefully his rightfully his and it and it, you know, and but it's it's probably going to result in some form of a, a discount off that top offer, right, that top number. And um, and so this is this is what teams do and businesses do and frankly insurance companies that you know we fight all the time you know they ha- there's a legitimate claim you're owed the money under the terms of the agreement and they say no screw you go pound sand you know and then and we have to fight to to get what's right and and invariably you know you know sometimes you get more sometimes a little bit less but they make you come and get it.
3: And I will also say the unique thing here is we can't forget, this will all be reviewed in the lens of COVID. I mean, contracts, there were all these contracts with expectations of how things were supposed to go that year and that season. And then it all got thrown out the window when COVID shut down all of these facilities, seasons for a certain amount of weeks, and it changed everything. And so you're going to see a lot of disagreements about how these contracts are interpreted in that light.
2: I don't know if either one of you have a specific example, but like outside of the realm of the NFL, just the idea of employer versus employee. And even though it's not like some a part of their actual agreement that this is the service I'll provide and this is the pay you'll give me, there's still a pressure of the employee to do what their employer asks, even if it's outside that scope. How often does that come up? How often are there lawsuits where an employee is suing a former employer for, hey, they asked me to do something outside of work and I got hurt or whatever it ends up being?
3: Well, this comes up a lot with the workers' compensation world. You know, a, a an employee gets injured while they think they're on the job, and they try to get treatment and remedies through the workers' compensation pro- program of their employer. But their employer says that, and their the employer's insurance company says that's beyond the scope of this employee's duties regardless of what side conversations were had. And so the workers' compensation insurance company will try and deny benefits because it was outside of the scope of the employment. And then the employee, the injured person, has to argue why it actually was in that instance. And Sam's right, we deal with this all the time. It happens with health insurance claims, life benefits, life insurance benefits, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's crazy what companies do to get out of paying money.
5: Would there be any difficulty getting so – specifically in Juwan James's case, he was working out with teammates. So he has built-in witnesses, but they may still be with the team. So is there any way to, like, <laughs> compel them to be like, yeah, guys, can you help me out? And they're like, I don't want to get cut.
4: That's <laughs> Actually, that's a great – that's it's a, a, it's, that's it's a, a great,
3: great point. It's a great real-life point. You've got to know who your witnesses are. Are they li- likely going to be friendly at the time of trial or any type of hearing? Um, and that's always something you've got to think about and get their statement early on and get their position. But the fact that they were there, um, that helps your case, you, we, even without whatever they say.
2: Well, it's salmonashlaw.com 702-820-1234 is the number. Uh Good luck with Darren in Game 6.
4: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, be guys. Appreciate
2: with it. <laughs> ah, never be gentle with Darren. Thanks. So Take care, guys. Bye. Thank you. All right. So there is Sam and Ash. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs to tell Adam why the Yankees suck.
1: Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not going to cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. 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 Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there.
2: Unfortunately, the New York Yankees scored five runs in the eighth and the ninth inning yesterday, had 14 hits, which is like... Their second highest of the season. So, this isn't the most opportune time to be doing this segment, but Adam Candy is here. So, it definitely is a great time to do it because the New York Yankees can't hit. They're 21st this year in OPS, they're 23rd in batting average. They've struck out the 11th most times. They've been held to three runs or less in 33 of their 61 games so far this year. And the Yankees rank 25th in runs scored on the season, which is significant. Because the New York Yankees have been top five in runs scored every season since 2016. Uh, 2016, the last time they weren't top five, they finished fourth in the AL East. Right now, they are a half game ahead of the Blue Jays to stay out of fourth in the AL East. Ten Yankees this year have had at least 100 at-bats. Adam, can you guess which two have a higher OPS this season than their career average?
0: Oh, higher OPS than the career average would probably be, is Gio Urshela there? He is. He's five points higher in
2: OPS, or I should say OPS plus, let me correct myself, OPS plus than a season average, but basically the same.
0: Okay, so Gio Urshela, I mean, Judge is hitting, but it can't be his highest. Um, Who was the other one?
2: It is Aaron Judge, just higher than his career average. He's 11 points higher in OPS Plus than his career average. The other eight guys with at least 100 at-bats are down in OPS Plus and down at least 12 points in OPS Plus. Some of my favorites, Brett Gardner's OPS Plus is 40 points lower this year than his career average. 40, which is phenomenal. Uh, Rugnet Odor's OPS Plus is 17 points worse this year than his career average, but... It's actually higher than it was last season. And DJ LeMahieu. So DJ LeMahieu has a career OPS plus of 101. This year he's at 88. But what's fascinating is that LeMahieu kind of sucked with the Rockies. His career OPS plus was 93 in seven seasons. He only had one year in Colorado, over 100. First year in New York, his OPS plus was 135. Second year in New York, his OPS plus was 177. Now it's down to 88. If I wasn't an Astros fan, I'd accuse him of cheating. But more importantly, Adam, is how the Yankees offense relates to Garrett Cole. Because Garrett Cole has made 12 starts this year. His ERA is 2.26. We don't know how good Garrett Cole is going to be the rest of the year because, well, he doesn't know how to answer if he's used spider tack or not. 12 starts, though. 2.26 ERA. The Yankees have scored three runs Or have only scored more than three runs three times in Garrett Cole's 12 starts. They've only won six of his starts. Fun comparison for you. When Garrett Cole was an Astro in 2019, he made 33 starts. The Astros only lost seven of those games. Again, the Yankees have already lost six of his 12 starts this year. And Cole's ERA is lower this year than it was with the Astros. The Astros scored three runs or fewer in nine of Cole's 33 starts in 2019. The Yankees have scored three runs or fewer in nine of Cole's 12 starts this year. You've wasted Garrett Cole and his cheating. You guys should be 12-0 in his starts, but you can't hit so you're six and six when he starts.
0: I think the worst part for you about all of this is that I was ready to sit back and just accept everything that you were saying until you had to just go for the gusto and bring the <laughs> Astros into it. Because you're right. The Yankees' offense is terrible. Uh, a Major League be- Baseball executive told Joel Sherman of the New York Post earlier this year, yeah, they're so right-handed and so power bust that basically give me anyone who's got 95 and a slider and I'm good. Like, you can pitch to the Yankees. They have no left-handed hitting to speak of. You um, you cherry-picked stats from Brett Gardner and Rugnet ne- Odor, which, let's be honest, Brett Gardner and Rugnet Odor shouldn't be starting for a Major League Baseball team in the first place and so the fact that they suck is not unexpected now dj LeMahieu, ops plus a stat that incorporates power dj LeMahieu hit for far more power in his first two years in new york than he ever had over the rest of his career uh the fact that he has a slugging percentage lower than his on base percentage (laughs) this year however is less than ideal um are we wasting garrett cole well unlike the astros we have no idea which pitches are coming And so it makes it a lot more difficult for our hitters struggles or no struggles to be able to provide our pitcher, the offense that the Houston Astros were able to provide to theirs.
2: Well, maybe you should start cheating in all facets of the game and not just pitching,
0: not just spider tack, get
2: it together. Like if you're going to cheat in one area, why not go all in?
0: Well, the Astros proved it because where did Garrett, where did Garrett Cole become a better pitcher? Yes. I'm not. Here's the thing about
2: the Astros. I, in all seriousness, If you had told me in 2017 or 18 or 19 that the Houston Astros were cheating, I would have absolutely believed the starting pitchers are cheating. Absolutely. Because every single pitcher that came to the Astros, not every single one, but most of them like got better. And it was like, yeah, this guy's awesome now. Like Wade Miley at one point was awesome for like five months for the Houston Astros. And Garrett Cole became one of the best pitchers in the sport. Like, if you told me in one of those three years they were cheating, I would have absolutely guessed, yes, they are cheating with their starting pitchers.
0: Glad to hear you say it out loud. I'm hoping it feels good to you to to hear it from yourself. Um, I've never denied
2: it. Do you think I've denied it?
0: Oh, no, no, no. You've basically tried to say everyone should have been cheating the same way the Astros were cheating.
2: You guys should all be mad at your teams for not doing it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Sure. Not cheating more effectively here. But here's the thing: what we're actually finding out is everyone is cheating. They're just not cheating as flagrantly in, as the Astros were.
2: You say flagrantly. They're all I cheating. Say, I say as well as efficiently.
0: Hmm. Efficiently. Yep. The whole system doesn't seem particularly efficient. <laughs> it, it required a trash can. And it was it still required a guy. else. We're like, who's going to be down there banging the trash can today? I don't know. Whose turn is it?
2: See, it's my it, the Astros might not have even been that efficient. There might have been teams that are way more efficient. That's why they didn't get caught.
0: So here's the thing. The Yankees suck and I know this. Like <laughs> I I've been over on Vison for the last 2 weeks when we've been putting up the AL East odds and seeing the Yankees listed as the favorite screaming about <laughs> the fact that there's no way this team should be favored to win the AL East. That they don't hit their defense is below average. They have run into the most outs on the bases in the major leagues. They play like they just have somewhere else to be every day. They're there. Tyler, I missed the Corey Kluber no hitter because I was so tired of watching this lifeless baseball team that I just didn't turn the game on. Like I was like, <laughs> eh, not today. I don't feel like sitting through this again.
2: You know, you know what you know would have been nice is Corey Kluber having a no hitter, but the Yankees not scoring, so it had to go to the tenth or something like that.
0: Uh, look up the name Andy Hawkins.
2: Man. Actually, you know what that that does bring up? My the scenario I want the most and specifically want the most to happen the day before you're filling in on this show is for a pitcher to have a no-hitter. But his offense doesn't score, so it goes to the oh, tenth. Here we go. And he goes we back go. out for the tenth, gives up a ground ball to the second baseman, a sack fly, and then his team doesn't score and he throws a ten inning no hitter but loses one nothing.
0: On an unearned run. Um, <laughs> for a runner who, in the eyes of major league <laughs> baseball, does not exist. the, the seriously. The runner is Kaiser Sose. He never really existed. It's amazing. And yet it would kill a no-hitter. The good thing that will keep me away from that is that no manager will ever be allowed by the analytics department or his front office to let a pitcher go 10 innings ever.
2: What if he's only thrown like 80 pitches?
0: How many of them have been high-stress pitches? I mean, We need to, we need to check on the Rapsodo.
2: If it's a no-hitter, none of them.
0: Listen, careers have been ruined by no hitters, Johan Santana, and apparently Corey Kluber among them.
2: Like, listen, I, I, it's a less than 1% chance it happens. Your point about pitch counts. Absolutely true, but it is plausible. One of these teams gets up there and swings at the first pitch, all the, like the blue Jays swing at the first pitch all the time. It's entirely possible, even though they got a good offense, they could swing at the first pitch. Some guys only thrown like 75 pitches through eight innings and he goes into the 10th and hasn't thrown a hundred pitches yet with a no hitter and loses.
0: Could happen. It could be the Yankees. I'm telling you, Andy Hawkins versus the Chicago White Sox in the late 80s, look it up. He lost 3 nothing in a no-hitter because the Yankees' defense was also so bad at that point <laughs> that they committed multiple errors and they didn't score any runs for him.
2: My favorite minor league game that I've been to was a Mississippi Braves game, and I can't remember who the other team was, but their pitcher had a no-hitter it was a one nothing game with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. He walked the guy and then gave up a walk-off home run. Oh,
0: ow, <laughs> ow. That's even better than uh, Carl Everett, who does not believe in dinosaurs, breaking up Mike Messina's perfect game with eight and two-thirds in at Fenway Park.
2: Carl Everett doesn't believe in dinosaurs?
0: Carl Everett does not believe in dinosaurs. doesn't believe they exist.
5: Okay, Jerry Royce. Who's a Las Vegas local in 1980? I'm well aware of
0: Jerry Royce. In
5: 1980, missed out on a perfect game due to a throwing error in the first inning. Where, but he did have a no hitter where he struck out two batters.
2: Uh, that's even more impressive, <laughs> Jesus! Two batters, my God! Even like terrible pitchers strike out two guys nowadays. Do a no hitter and had two strikeouts.
0: And and by the way, Jerry Royce is an A plus human being, and that 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 pains me greatly to hear.
5: All right.
2: <laughs> I don't know what's coming up next. Find out with us. But... What hell knows? Here is your chance to win a couple of tickets to the Virgin Hotels Celebration. They are opening up and having a special concert with Christina Aguilera, Flo Rider, and Mix Master Mike in theater. You get two tickets. You do need to be 21 or older. It's tomorrow. Virgin Hotel is opening again. Christina Aguilera, Flo Rider, and Mix Master Mike. We will take caller number six at 702-364-1100, 702-364. 364 You want a pair of tickets to the Virgin Hotel Celebration Concert.
1: Five seconds to go in the period. Saad looks up at the clock. Holding. Shooting. He scores! Leave the puck! Take the cannoli!
2: That's uh, Connor McGahee of uh, the Colorado Avalanche play-by-play guy do we have any idea why he says cannoli because he said the other time we've played his his uh play-by-play he said the same thing
5: adam do you want to explain the reference
0: yeah oh it's a reference yeah, I, oh okay. i
5: can i'm sorry here's
0: the problem jared i can explain the reference but i can't explain why he uses it because oh, it doesn't make any no, sense yeah, in the makes, spot
5: it makes no freaking oh. sense as far as like why he does it but
0: you know it, sure it is a reference from the godfather Oh, okay. All right. Which would uh, which would be, leave the gun, take the cannoli. But uh, he has changed it to something that he likes to scream to sound funny, which is not funny.
2: So, like, well, guns shoot things and pucks get shot. Yeah. Let's, okay. That's a long walk, man. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm stretching to make something reach that I haven't actually seen the movie of, so...
5: That almost, yeah, that's not surprising at yeah, all. <laughs> I almost want to force Tyler to watch, like, what is it, AFI's top 100 movies of all time, and just for him to just come on and be like, Cas- Casablanca, what a trash heap.
0: That would be awesome, and I think the other part would be he would catch so many references that I'm sure people say in day-to-day conversation that he's kind of like, <laughs> huh, I wonder what that's all about, right? Yeah, you know, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, like, that sort of thing. Like, he'd be like, oh... That's from a movie.
2: People say that? That sounds like something from the 1950s. Earlier. Earlier? Earlier. Well, how, how old are you? Do we need to re-update how old is Adam Candy?
0: Oh, we could reboot that anytime you want because we're kind of at the point where you claimed you would have forgotten by now.
5: Yes, we actually. And so,
0: <laughs> and so if you did oh, forget, God. then we can reboot the entire thing.
5: I want to say <sighs> I, I, I have an age range that he is The youngest member of the company outside of JVT on Cofield and Company. Wasn't he always in that age range? Yes, but I want to say that (laughs) I used to think... That's the same age range from before when you were like, he's between 30 and 50. Yes, but I'm saying that he's younger (laughs) than Cofield and he's younger than Adam Hill. And I think that puts him on the closer to 40 Right. Okay.
2: We did this whole thing. We finally got Adam to tell us how old he is. And I forgot what it was, but I
5: think it was 43. I was thinking 42.
0: Could do I, you guys really want the Do you want answer so I need you can to remember a, and forget it in another six months?
5: Do I need to find
2: a drum roll? Yes. Well, <laughs> the best part is, like, if we do this every six months, you get older. So, like, <laughs>
5: we'll never we'll, we'll never, get never right. actually oh, know how old you
0: are. It, whoa, which, by the way, I will get older. Unlike what you said to Jason Fitz, which he very nicely rolled past when you're like, so, no more birthdays, huh? You're like, is he dying? Yeah. Like, Jason Fitz will never have a birthday again. Yeah, it was,
2: you know. More of a shot that somebody else doesn't need to have a birthday. So, you know, we actually talk to him when we're supposed to talk to him.
0: Okay. So helpful. uh, You say 43, Tyler. Jared says 42. As I always say about the press box. Trust Jared. Ah,
5: yeah. Damn. All right. All right. So this ended on a sour note for everyone, including the audience, because nobody likes Jared. I don't think that's true. I think more people
2: like you than you think. Like the seven people you've grown on them, there's a there's a very specific audience for Jared Justice. I am I am oh like, I'm like he rapies. knows that
5: yeah. Well, he, once he, I get in there, you can't get rid of me. Yeah, no,
0: he's he's told us about his dating life previously. I understand that there's a very very specific <laughs> audience for Jared Justice.
5: <laughs> he was married
2: once.
0: That's not what I'm talking about.
2: <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, listen. Of the three people on this show right now, Jared's the one that was married
5: uh
0: there might be another you've been
5: married 30. i love how little
0: you know about me i love how long we've been doing these shows and you know nothing about me why
2: why do people tell me i need to get married when everybody i know just gets divorced
0: you're a little bit of an outlier
2: my own family's like two for seven in marriages
0: I'm not mean, doing look,
2: very well. The, the
5: Yankees would bat that fourth. <laughs> Four, three,
1: two.